Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Matt Rice, and Chris Bartlett is not here, but my guest Alyssa, who is going to introduce herself here in a second, we both hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've worked in ministry almost as long as Chris and I have worked in ministry. I think Alyssa's been at it for 13 years. I've been at it for 17. So together it's at least 30 years of ministry, and we have just about seen it all. And as messed up as we are from it, we hope to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Again, we thank Alob for the music we had at the beginning. Check him out on Spotify. Just search Alob. All right, Alyssa, she's quirking and she's laughing because I don't think she's ever been in the studio with me like this. Well, no, I haven't. I'm the reason I'm laughing is because you're good on the fly, Matt. Like that's what's happening right now. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to change some things right in the second, and I can do it." And you did a good job. And Matt didn't prepare at all for it. I'm that. I'm not. There that's you go. not why I'm laughing. <laughs> all right, Alyssa, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Yeah. So my name is Alyssa Cheddar. Matt mentioned I've been in ministry. I was counting this morning. It's been almost 13 years. I think 12. Uh, I had a, conver- a conversion in high school and then started volunteering <laughs> the next semester with our yep. parish's junior high program. And then when I came to college, I knew I wanted to continue doing that. And so the when first... Did, what year did you start? Like, what year did you start college here at a 2009. 2009. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I was doing the math today, and I was thinking that this August was going to be 10 years of you no. and me knowing each other, but it's, it's nine, nine years. Mm-hmm. It's just nine it's years. It's the same age as your oldest daughter. That's right. That's how we can track the time. That's go. how I do it. I just have to remember the age of my kids. Then. Yes, <laughs> and that doesn't always happen either. No. That was supposed to help. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so the the first uh, Sunday that I was in town, the first night before classes started, everybody else was freaking out about where the classes were on this vast campus that we have here in town, and I was at the gym with Matt, yep. with the middle schoolers, because that's just where my heart was. I was like, I need to be with these kids and trying to lead them to Jesus, because that was a way that God brought a lot of joy to me, and he was letting me see the effects that it had, and I knew that was the that was a priority. I was here regardless, to go to school, but I was here to do ministry. Regardless of what role many of us are in ministry, very few of us can say that the beginning of my ministry, I just felt called to middle school. Yes, that I know. Happen. That's the other thing that people look at me sometimes, like I have three heads. They're like, middle school? <laughs> you weirdo. I love middle schoolers. <laughs> yeah. They're, and maybe it's because I appreciate awkward, quirky things, as you might have already noticed in the show. Matt kind of called it out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I they're hysterical. Yeah. They're just so funny to me. And I'm laughing uh, with them, for them, hopefully not at them. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes. Sometimes I am laughing at them. <laughs> they just bring me so much joy. I just, yeah. I love them so much and so I enjoy working with high schoolers as well because of the conversations that we can have but there's just something special about the middle schoolers so they're always going to have a place in my heart so yeah so I started helping I was a co-founder of Ablaze yep, with I was Matt. Bring that up if you didn't yeah we just recently started calling it what it was it was like oh yeah she kind of helped and it's like you were a co-founder That's okay right. own, it. own it yeah <laughs> so we've just recently started actually saying co-founder but yeah, yeah I so helped seven years ago she co-founded yeah. and helped me co-found Ablaze so mm. she's yeah yeah been with us from the beginning so <laughs> yes. that's awesome yep I mean, co-founded, I mean, we always call it out a little bit, like the name was Collaborative Catholic Formation and, Ministries. And I helped and change that, <laughs> too. Changed that so <laughs> you're welcome, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's, I, I always think about my, when I first went into ministry, we were talking about middle school, high school, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I was young. I was straight out of college, uh, probably 22 years old, and I connected with high schoolers so much better. Yeah. And I couldn't even, like, I didn't even dream about working with junior high. 
Well, it's um, hard. They're awkward. It took a long time for me to listen to God saying, hey, man, this is where I need you. Yeah. This is where the church needs to be because and one of the things I always say is that's where everything in their life is changing. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. The way they see the world, the way they think is going from black and white to gray. Mm-hmm. Their bodies are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the church isn't in there somewhere, mm-hmm. we're going to be lost. It's going to be a, an uphill right. battle all through high school. Well, and, and that's on. the that's the first time, this isn't what we're talking about today, but we'll just, <laughs> a little shout out for middle school youth ministry and the value of it. I remember explaining the changes in relationship that happen during that time, during adolescence, right around 12, 13 years old. And I explained it to a group of eighth graders once. And one of the girls in the room who's now going into college, but I just remember the look on her face as I was saying, you know, in elementary school, you just hung out with people that happened to be in your class. You had the little bracelets that matched. You spent the night at people's houses. And it was that was it. But now you're actually sharing things going on in your life and your struggles and your joys. And these are lasting in a way that they weren't before. God wants that with you. And I just remember her face and she sat there for like five, 10 minutes afterwards and just went, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jesus wants that with me. And like you were saying, Matt, if God is not a part of that conversation and we can't show them the truth that he deeply cares and desires a relationship with them, we're going to be behind. Yeah. Yeah, from then on out. Yeah, yeah, because in absolutely. high school, it's it's not. And we always say that it's not too late to start the conversation, Amen. but you're late. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, you're behind. Yeah, and it's going to be harder work for mm-hmm. sure. And that's actually, like, I think, it plays exactly into what we're talking about tie it today. In. It does tie <laughs> in absolutely. So I asked Alyssa before you know uh, we came on what we should talk about, and one of the things that both of us have a passion for is those kids that are kind of, I don't know, pains in your neck. You know? Yes. We call them the punks. <laughs> the you punks, know? And she punk said, kids. She said, let's talk about not squashing the punks. <laughs> and so that was that's the title. This is the coolest title yeah, I'm ever going to have affiliated with me <laughs> in my whole life. So squash our, our call punks. is don't squash the punks. <laughs> and junior high kids, that's where it starts. Yes. Like, that's where they start being punks for the most part. Yes. When they're in elementary <laughs> school, they, they they do everything you tell them to do pretty for the most part. Yeah, the they, herd they mentality listen, is yeah, there. And they uh-huh. do what everybody's doing. Once they start to develop their own personalities mm-hmm. and go through puberty and all that stuff, they, they become punks. Yes. Especially, so why was this on? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, especially there's, I forget who coined this term. It might have been Bob Rice, but the little Napoleon. Oh, yeah. Like there's, yeah. so the little Napoleon is a term that is used for, it's typically an eighth grade boy because that's when they're feeling more confident and they're more cocky. (laughs) And so you always have an eighth grade boy tends to be shorter. And Uh that's why they call him a little. Yeah. It's like the small kid (laughs) that you would never expect, but that's the class clown. He's the ringleader. He's the instigator. He's the personality. He's your personality. He's your little Napoleon. And so somebody years ago pointed out, you have to have, you have to have the little Napoleon on your side. If he's not on your side, you're you're, done. And you're fighting against (laughs) him. You don't have any control over the group at all. You've got, I have the little Napoleon. Yeah. But yeah, that's so where my mind That's went. one of the punks. And it you is. Can't squash He's the him. punk. You yeah. You need him on your side. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So why was this on your heart? It's just, like you said, it's a, a place that I'm passionate about. There's just something in me that longs to reach those kids on, on the periphery, on the margins, the kids who really have never been exposed to the church thing in quotes before, yep. or who very clearly have had some brokenness yeah. in their life. Yeah. And so I just learned early on that there is a backstory to whatever the wherever these kids are coming from, whoever they are, there's something going on. And my heart has always just been tugged on when it comes to these people because I long to reach them. Yeah. And it's just been 
at, I think at first, honestly, it might have started out as as like a game. It's like, like I can make this kid can smile. Them. Like there was one <laughs> yeah. kid back. Oh, it's been years and years ago. But he every single time he would just never say a word and would just come and sit. So he wasn't really causing problems, but it was a frustration for me because I just couldn't get him and I couldn't reach him. So it became this running joke that I would make him smile every week. And I was yep. like, don't smile. Yep. I gotcha. Don't smile. And he would. And he had the most adorable little smile, yep. like a little Curious George smile. <laughs> and I saw him years later at just kind of a chance meeting. It was totally a God thing. And he remembered me. And we had this long conversation yep. about the church. And I had him explain baptism to me. I was like asking all these questions. and Quizzing him. Yeah, we somehow linked it up to football. It was a great conversation, but it was like all that work that had been done years previously, and it was really just making him smile. I'd never yeah. actually had a conversation with the kid, but yeah. saw him years later, and we had this long conversation, and it was really sad when we had to say goodbye. So there's just something in my heart for those particular youth, for, yeah. for those and kids. Just to set the, the topic up a little bit more, if 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 you were to squash that punk, <laughs> yeah, you know, what you would have done was chastise him for being quiet, right? you know, make him talk, yeah. you know, do things that would have really, like, not, it would have damaged the relationship. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to avoid. And I think, know? we and we do that because we want, we want a response, we want to see results, we are, we're wanting control. Yeah. And so we, we become uh, instigating and kind of combative at yeah. times because we're frustrated. And like, that's a valid feeling to yeah. be frustrated, to be concerned, to be worried, to try and take control. I, I mean, it logically, it makes sense. But if you're thinking long term and you're thinking the whole span of relationship with this person, that's really detrimental and we shouldn't do it. Yeah. And that's one of the themes also of, of this podcast is, is have the long game in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, you may not see that happen today. You may not see their conversion happen while you're around, but you want to set that, the people up in the future, mm -hmm. you know, whoever it is that's going to reach them up for success mm -hmm. and not create walls or not help this person build walls. Mm -hmm. One of the, my thoughts was that those, the, the type of kids that you just described may actually be my comfort zone. They mm. may not be punks to me. Yeah. Like they may be like, ex they may be my yeah. people, you know? And so, um, I wanted to set up the idea that the punks may be for you. The punks may be the nerds, mm -hmm. you know, who always question everything yeah. you say. Yeah. So the punks may be the jocks uh -huh. who are the popular kids. Yeah. You know, who, mm -hmm. who have this air about them of mm -hmm. I'm better than you and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the punk for you, like a ministry leader listening to this yeah. may be different uh -huh. than the way that we're talking about mm -hmm. punks, but for like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's the same thing because if if that person annoys you, right? I, <laughs> I'm that's like what it the, is. the unifying theme <laughs> is that whatever your punk is, it's the person that frustrates you and gets on your nerves. Yes, and so yeah, depending on your personality, that might look different. But yes, yeah. so that's who we're talking about—the kids that it's just you want to reach them, but you can't, or they ask the annoying question and you just want to like, oh yeah. yeah Anyone that. that gets under your skin. And it's like in your mind, what you see, whether it's true or not, what you typically see is defiance mm -hmm. and, and someone who's behaving in a disrespectful manner. Mm -hmm. That may not be what they're doing. They may not be and may not intend that. Right. I mean, they're kids. They don't know what they're no. doing at the time anyway. There was one kid. And this kid, uh, he was in our junior high program. And eventually he came to a retreat. And I have another story about that. Mm -hmm. But all like all throughout everything like there was one time i just pulled him aside and i said hey you know when you behave like that you're saying f you matt mm. you know and i of course i didn't use a word i just said that because he knows that he knew what the word was i well, mean this course. kid was yes. you know <laughs> and i just used the initial uh -huh. and he knew exactly what it was but he's like he's like but matt i like you 
Mm-hmm. That's, that's not what I mean to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know you don't mean to do mm-hmm. it, but this is what I'm hearing. This mm-hmm. is what I see when you do that. Right. Can you stop? Yeah. You know, and so it wasn't it wasn't chastising. No. It wasn't squashing him. It was just kind of exposing to him what his behavior was doing mm-hmm. and, and what he was communicating because I knew he liked me. Right. I knew that we had a relationship. And I think those conversations are so important. One, just because they're done one-on-one, and that's respectful right there. Yeah. I think sometimes in the frustration, it's so easy for us to just shut a kid down in a large group setting. I'm trying to give a talk. You keep making fart noises or jokes or whatever, and you won't shut up. And so the easy thing to do is to just call you out, shut you down, shame you yep. in front of everybody, yep. and that's the quick, easy Action. It's not the charitable thing, no. but in the moment, it's easier. Yeah. But the better thing to do is what you were just talking about, Matt, to pull them aside afterwards and to have this conversation where you're not yelling, you're not tearing them to pieces, but you're just saying, when you do this, this is what I'm feeling and this yeah. is how I receive it. This is what you're communicating to everyone else. Did you realize that? The majority of the time, the answer is no. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I was just trying to get people to laugh. I didn't realize I was hurting your feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, you are. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a huge thing right there. Just helping them understand their actions yep. <laughs> and what they're actually doing because most of the time they don't have a clue. Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier about woundedness. Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's a nerd, a jock, or, you know, one of the mm-hmm. rats, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call them. There, there is wounded, woundedness mm-hmm. there in everyone's mm-hmm. life. And if you think about them reacting and acting out of those wounds, it, it changes your perspective mm-hmm. when you're dealing with them and when you're working with them. I, I, I have that in mind almost anytime mm-hmm. someone does something, you know, that bothers me or irks me or whatever. Most of the time, people are not trying to tick you off. No, they're not. They're like they're acting out of their own woundedness, mm-hmm. woundedness, and they're trying to do. And again, that's the kind of the definition of sin. In a way, mm-hmm. you're aiming for the good mm-hmm. and you miss the mark. Most of them think they're doing the right thing. Most people are acting out of a, a good conscience for the most part. And um, that's yeah. For me personally, I don't know when I started doing it, but it's something that I teach the, our team when they're interacting with their whatever their punk is, whoever it is, to ask the question when they're frustrated and when they're hurting, to ask the question about this person in front of them, what's the wound behind this? Because they didn't just wake up, they weren't born so antagonistic. Like something happened. What is it? And if we can look with that mercy, that changes the entire situation. And if we don't ask that question, that's when we run the risk of shutting things down for them. Um, And that has ramifications for their faith in the future. And be guaranteed, these kids know what authority looks like. Because if they've gone, if they've been like this in your group, in your youth group, they've been like this at school. Mm -hmm. And so the principal, the teacher, other people have come to them with in an authoritative Mm -hmm. way. You get to be God's mercy. Mm-hmm. You get to love these kids mm-hmm. in a different way. Yes, you know, and we need to take that as church more seriously and think about that. Okay, mm-hmm. this kid's really ticking me off. Mm-hmm. How can I love them? Mm-hmm. You know, what is God's love right now? Yeah, and that doesn't mean as you're bringing this up, it, it makes me think that doesn't mean to like in a large group setting or in your youth group to let yourself be walked all over. No. That's not what we're saying. Absolutely so if somebody's not. doing things that are inappropriate, it's completely the right thing to do to say like, hey, you need to cut it out. Now, do we have to have a whole conversation about why this is a terrible thing to do and how they should be ashamed of theirs? No, because yeah. that's not respectful of them. But yeah. yeah, if they're disrupting everything, 
yeah, you need to put a stop to that. But like you're saying that we have this role in ministry that we're able to walk alongside them and have these longer conversations to really get to the heart of the woundedness, the suffering, what their relationship with God looks like, how they're struggling at home. We can ask these questions and really like this was something I taught for a semester. That was something that I did not like as much about teaching because mm. I wasn't able to have those conversations. Uh-huh. And my little ministry heart just uh-huh. broke over that Absolutely. because I wanted to know when somebody was acting up in class, I wanted to know, you're never like this. Yeah. What happened this morning? What's like, tell me this story. Yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't do that because I was teaching a lesson. Yep. But in ministry, we are able to do that. We have the privilege of being able to step aside and to talk to these kids and to really dive deep with them. Absolutely. And so we we can't miss out on that. Yeah. They need that. Uh, yeah. And one of the things that comes to mind is is we think I need we need to pay attention to I guess how God treats us. I mean, God is just. Mm-hmm. God is merciful. Mm-hmm. We need to be just. And we need to be merciful. Mm-hmm. So it is just to make to have them stop. Mm-hmm. They need to stop distracting, and and there are ways to do that. And I don't know if we'll be able to get into that in this episode. Maybe we'll have you on again in the future or someone else. But there are ways to do that 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 maintain your authority and mm-hmm. maintain the relationship. Yeah. And we just and we just need to pay attention to that and be merciful in the way that we work with our young people. Right. And I think without diving into it, the for me the the way that I do that is to communicate the justice like this is not okay but also to communicate compassion this is not okay I understand you're having a bad day I care about what you're going through how can we make this better because what you're doing right now is not okay but we can find a solution together so just having that compassion communicated I think is the tone that changes everything because a kid can pick up on whether or not you care and they know real fast absolutely so and you can't really fake that no, you can't. Um, and and one of the, I wrote down here that it's not about you, and it never was. No, you know, and that's true. That uh, that just because the kid bugs you and you think you can't re- reach them, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have them there for a reason and doesn't mm-hmm. have someone in mind to reach them. Mm-hmm. So it may not be you, right? You know, and there's a very there's a chance that you may have already burned that bridge. Mm-hmm. Not that you can't repair the relationship over time. But it may be a, a, an easier avenue to look to a volunteer mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, man." I messed up. Mm-hmm. I, I came down too hard on this kid. Mm-hmm. Can you be <laughs> the the mercy? Right. Can you go can talk you to be him? love mm-hmm. to this kid? Because right they're now? not going to hear anything from they me. They won't hear it from mm-hmm. me now because I've already you know kind of messed that up. Yeah, and even if it's something where I think this is just a general thing in ministry, even if it's you haven't messed anything up with a kid, but you're just not able to reach them, and so that's why you're you're being frustrated by the situation and you're trying whatever you can to take control and it's just not working. It might just be that God has someone else in mind to reach this kid, that maybe your personality is not going to reach them. They need somebody else who has a different backstory. Who's going to speak into their experience. That's okay. Like we're not saviors. We're not going to reach every kid. There should be freedom in that reality that yep. if you're not able to to reach a kid, seek someone else on your core team, seek yeah. another volunteer and have them go talk to this kid because maybe that's the person God's intending to reach them through. Absolutely. And we've talked about this before on the podcast that having a diverse group of mm-hmm. volunteers and not just everybody that looks exactly the same is going to help you reach a diverse group of kids. Yes. So that kid that you can't reach your diverse group of volunteers mm-hmm. should be able to reach. Mm-hmm. So make sure and pay attention to that diversity. One of the things that having the long game in mind, you don't want to push them away at a young age because that sets them up for, I don't know, a harder road back to come back later. So if we chastise too harsh, 
we will make it an uphill battle for that that person yeah. to come back later. We have a couple stories, I'm sure. I don't know if you well, want to dive into what I was just going to piggyback now. on what you were saying. It's just because you, in a lot of ways for these kids, we're, we're the image of church to them. I think especially the kids who tend to be on the peripheries haven't typically grown up in Christian homes. There are exceptions to this, but yeah. it's they don't have a real clear depiction of, of who God is or what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be Catholic. And so we're the representative of that. And if we burn that bridge, if we break that trust, if we give them a bad taste of what church is, yep. we've set that tone probably for years to come. And, and so we've we created a lens for yes. them to look at the church through. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, every time I think of church, I just think of this youth minister who was really mean to me. Yeah. Like even just saying that right now, I'm just cringing. Yeah. I would hate for that to happen. And I'm sure all of you listening would hate for that to happen too. And it's, that's the potential if we come down hard yeah. um, and if we're not merciful. Uh, and so that's part of the reason it's so important for us yeah. to be charitable and compassionate always. In an earlier episode, we introduced the the idea that we were going to have a segment called "Avoiding the Millstone." This whole episode may be that avoiding you the know, building the mills, avoiding the millstone. If you guys don't remember the scripture, you know, if you if one of you leads one of these little uh -huh. ones astray, it'd be better for a millstone to be tied around uh -huh. your neck and you'd be it's thrown like, into the oh, sea. Yeah, it's no. like oh, uh, okay, so let's avoid the millstone. Yeah. So that would be that would be a potential millstone. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Uh -huh. So like you you gave an example earlier that. Um, you created a lens for that one kid that mm -hmm. every time he thought about church, he thought about that sweet lady mm -hmm. that got hopefully, him to smile. Hopefully. You know? and, and, but I would it, believe it. Years later, he yeah. knew exactly. He's like, hi, miss. I was <laughs> like, hi, kid. Yeah. So that's a beautiful lens mm -hmm. to create you yeah. know, when, when you had a punk mm -hmm. that you could have squashed mm -hmm. and you didn't. So that's, yeah. that's really good. So we have a couple stories to share uh, just with regards to punks. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these will happen on retreats. And so one of my <laughs> stories is on a guy's retreat. There was one kid who was acting up while we were saying the rosary, mm -hmm. and it was, I, I get it, you know. But there, like, there was a volunteer with me who w just wanted to send this kid home. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm done with him. Send him home. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, like, I, yeah. and I, I fought for this kid. I fought for this kid, and he knew that I was fighting for him. This kid mm -hmm. did, and I, and maybe there, there, there is some point where you might become a pushover. But this kid knew that I was, I was caring for him. I was fighting for him. And I knew he needed to be on that retreat. Mm -hmm. Even I haven't seen the kid, you know, right. I, I don't know when the last time I saw him was, but I remember his name. You know, I, I remember his face I, and I can't wait to see him again one of these days, but I, I fought for him to, to, to keep him there on the retreat. And you mm -hmm. may, you may be stuck in similar situations where it's like, okay, I really need to send this kid home. Mm -hmm. But, you know, is there a, is there a way to not do that? Because there, there are things, uh, like times when you absolutely have right. to send the kid yeah. home. Right, yeah. If no there doubt. have been some rules in, in particular broken, it's like, yeah, these are non-negotiables. Yeah. Sorry, kid, you're yeah. out of here. For me, you were talking about um, potentially being, I don't know how you worded it, not walked over, but a pushover. Push yeah. Is that, yeah. that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there are times where I think that's the hardest part, where you're in these situations and you feel like oh, I'm being I'm being a pushover or I know this kid is taking advantage of my patience or mm -hmm. taking advantage of my mercy. Yep. And for me in those situations, it's such an internal struggle. But most of the time I'm like, I would rather be frustrated with them and I would rather they do this than me have to sacrifice the relationship. Now, it's not always going to come down to that, but I'm thinking in particular, there's a youth who I've been walking with, oh gosh, maybe four or five years now who she was this punk kid uh, and 
when I found out why the backstory, she, one of her parents was, had a terminal illness and was nearing death at the time that I met them. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this, this is why this is the reason she's acting up on, in all these ways. So over the years with her, it's just been such a, I've grown so much because of her. Um, there have been times in mass in particular where she's not running around being crazy or doing anything like that, but she would just not be paying attention or would deliberately sleep. <laughs> and it drives me crazy yeah. as somebody who loves the mass yep. and who loves Jesus and who is just internally kind of screaming, like if you would just pay attention to what is being said, it applies to your life. I promise. And everything in me wants to, to yell at her or yep. to be like, don't you see? And mo most of the time what I do is I just kind of nudge her once mm -hmm. and she'll wake up and then if she falls asleep again i let it go mm. that's so hard yep. but sometimes in these moments where she's doing little frustrating things like that or she's completely not paying attention she'll look over at me and she'll notice my kind of <laughs> the internal struggle coming out on my face just that i seem defeated and i seem really sad or i even seem angry uh -huh. and then she looks at me and she's like are you upset I'm just, I'm kind of frustrated right now. Why? And she's really concerned about that. Uh -huh. I would rather have that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's just. That's a much stronger teaching yeah, moment. You know, and it's than, just, yeah. and then we get to have a longer conversation because she's asking me instead. Why well, why care? are you so upset? Why do you care? I'm like, well, I just really feel like what was shared today would have applied to you yeah. had you been listening. I was listening. I was listening. All right. What did you hear? <laughs> and so I like those conversations. Yeah. And I don't want to be filed in her mind as the person that's nagging her and nitpicking her mm -hmm. because in my experience, when I've been that person, I'm shutting down those future conversations. Yeah. And I don't want that. Yep. I told somebody else about this particular youth once. I was like, I can't afford to have that. Mm -hmm. She needs me in her life yep. and she needs somebody to be an avenue for God's love. And I'm one of the few places that happens. I can't afford to chastise her. Yeah. For these takes, little tiny things. That takes self-sacrifice. It's so hard. And that's what Ugh. love is. Love is sacrifice. Ugh, and you're yeah. loving her by sacrificing, yeah. I don't know, your own desires and your own, I mean, what you know about the mass yeah, in a so way. it's so frustrating. And so that's, yeah, that's hard. But yeah, but it is. And that's the squashing the punks and the being merciful. It's to be in this place where it's like, I have to keep this love of God flowing into her. And by, by that, I have to be present. And if I am, am shutting down all of our conversations... I, I can't do that. It kind of reminds me of the when parents talk about like picking your battles or choosing yeah. your battles. That's what it is. It's like, uh -huh. okay, this is a very small thing compared to the whole scheme of what she's going through. Yeah. So I'm not going to fight this battle. I'm just going to let it, I'm going to die to it. Yeah. And that's yeah. so hard, that, but it's needed. That moment of mercy or those moments of mercy allow for those deeper conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, that's beautiful mm -hmm. to see. One of the things I wanted to share also is is the long term effects having the having that long game in mind. So it was two years ago, and I, I met a guy through I don't know my wife's work or whatnot, and we kind of got together, got to talking about exercise and working out and getting ready for triathlons, Weird diets, all that stuff. And, and, and like, not that I am any kind of exercise freak because it's been a year and a half since I've even right. done any kind of. I exercise. say weird diets because you're always like, oh, I don't eat bread and oh, I don't eat this, and Matt's always on some kind of crazy lost, diet. 20 pounds in the last right, year, well, so I'm doing fine, pretty good. Whatever. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> this guy, like, he and I started to work out together. We started to run together. And he was born and raised Catholic. I found out that his his dad was a deacon when he was young. Parents were really involved in religious ed. And we kept running, kept running. Then I found out that he wasn't confirmed. And I'm like, wait mm -hmm. a second. He's like, yeah, we were married in the church, but I, I wasn't confirmed. I was like, 
why weren't you confirmed? Mm. And he said, oh, well, the ministry that I was at, the youth ministry I was at, they had these really strict rules. And I was really in, like, I was a, a good soccer player. And I actually went to college to play soccer. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't let me get confirmed because I missed a, a few classes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy moly. This guy went 20 years. He, I actually, like, the awesome thing is is, is he, I, I got to be his sponsor, and mm -hmm. he got confirmed that year. Yeah. So that was really cool. I was really honored by that, that God chose me to, to bring him kind of fully into, his, into the church. But this guy had 20 years where yeah. he wasn't confirmed because he didn't meet these, these guidelines, and, and someone that, there wasn't merciful with him. Mm -hmm. Now, again, there is a point where you're being a pushover or you're getting pushed over, but if a kid misses a class— and, and you have the ability to offer them a way mm -hmm. to make it up, do mm -hmm. it. Right. Because you don't, you don't want that on your soul in a mm -hmm. way where they've gone 20 years without right. having, having gone to confession mm. or having been confirmed. Yeah. You know, that's, that's scary to me. Mm -hmm. That's the millstone that we want to <laughs> avoid. Yeah. And I think, like you said, there are times where it's like, okay, clearly you missed all but one of the class like yeah. we're not and talking about no those situations yeah. yeah we're talking about where it's that gray area like one of my maxims for ministry is to always err on the side of mercy not because like i think i'm all holy but it's like that's what god does yeah. he's extremely merciful with yeah. us and when it comes to any of these situations where it's like all right they're trying okay they're struggling okay they're making an effort He's going to give us mercy and yeah. he's going to give us love and not come down extremely hard on us. Like yeah. that's just been my experience. That's in scripture. We all it's all over the place. Like God is merciful. They yeah. talk about that's the greatest attribute of his heart is Amen. his mercy. And so we as his ministers that he's called to help shepherd the young people of his flock have to also embody and live out that mercy. Amen. Yeah, one of the things I have down here is in our notes is what does that mercy look like? And just look in your life. Like, like what has that mercy looked like in your life? Mm -hmm. What has God done for you? And that, that can be part of the motivation and what the source that you draw from mm -hmm. to be mercy yourself and mm -hmm. to show mercy yourself. Yeah. And it, and it is hard. It's not, mercy is not easy. Mm -mm. Uh, an image that God gave me for it last year on a retreat where I had a bunch of punk kids and the staff was upset and I was like, they were crying and the kids were crying and I'm in the middle like, Jesus, what are we doing here? He just gave me this image of like kind of how water would get in between some rocks, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's filling the tiniest of all spaces. And he was like, that's what mercy is. Mm -hmm. And I want you in there. And I was like, I can't fix it. I don't know what this looks like. And he's like, just be there. Yeah. Just listen, just love in the midst of all of these emotions and all of this brokenness and all of this turmoil, just be present with love. Yeah. And that's mercy. Absolutely. And it's hard, but he does it for us. And so I like your suggestion, Matt, to, go before the Lord and to say, okay, how have you been merciful to me? Mm -hmm. Give me the grace to be merciful to yeah. others. Yeah. If, yeah. And that's, that, that will, that will be powerful. I think for anyone, I think there's no doubt that we need to continue this conversation <laughs> in, a, in a future podcast because a lot of ministry leaders out there are like, okay, that that's great. I, I want to be merciful, but how? The theory. You know? Yes. Yeah, we, the we painted there. the beautiful pie it. in the sky picture. <laughs> <laughs> but really like the, the, the hard and like, yeah, how to dive into that yeah in the moment yeah. when the like the running high emotions are there what do you do what do you do mm -hmm. all right anything else Alyssa, that we want to say before we step away i don't think so all right i'm good awesome um where can they find you because i forgot to tell them that 
where can they find me? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're I'm on, on the Facebook Twitters. You're on and Facebook, Twitter. But she's also I has have her another own podcast. podcast. Yeah, with one of my good friends, Father Ryan Higdon. It's called Everyday Catholics. So we can link that up. And there you go. That'll be good. Yeah. So I'm around. Yep. She's <laughs> everywhere. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming. You can find us on all of the socials everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher, Google, MLAPodcast.com. If you search MLA Podcast on Facebook or Twitter, you should be able to find us. Please write us a review in iTunes, share this with another ministry leader, and subscribe to our podcast. You can become a patron and help us get better equipment on patreon.com slash MLA Podcast. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week and pray for other ministry leaders. Pray for how you can be mercy this next week at your next gathering. We'll see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. Thank you.